Welcome to Material, a show about the Google and Android universe, hosted on the Relay FM network. This episode is brought to you by iSat Menus and Scala Preview, two amazing products from Django. And I am one of your hosts, Yasmin Evian. And joining me, as always, we have Mr. Andy Anako and Mr. Russell Ivanovich. Hello, friends. Hello, hello. I'm a bit put off because Andy just took my photo. Uh, we, for for oh. those people that don't know, we have the video going while we do the audio recording. Um, one day we might share that with you. I'm not, I'm not sure I'm game to, but uh, yeah, Andy just held up a phone and took my picture, so no idea what's going on. Well, I wasn't even looking at my hair. Like, is my hair like perfectly straight out? I don't know where this picture is going to end up at. Well, it's 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 just that there's a, the, 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 the my my desktop looks quite magnificent right now. I feel as though uh, even if our listeners can't necessarily benefit from seeing the magnificence of my desktop right now, I thought that you guys uh, would enjoy seeing it. <laughs> so I'm about to I'll, 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 I'm about to put a picture into Slack. And if, if, see, let's see if you agree with me uh, that this is, I, I mean, I'm just so damn happy right now about all of this that I don't, I don't know the fight. I might, I, I, I might wish that I had put on astronaut diapers before this show. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm really looking forward to this picture because now you have me excited waiting for and, it. Oh, here it comes. So this, see, this is so we, we got a lot of feedback from last week saying, "Oh, I'm so glad that Andy's back." You know, I thought he was gone forever, and uh, I was crying into my uh, lasagna I made for one. But here, here's the reason people love Andy. So we've got in this picture, and we'll put it in the show notes. We've got an iPad Pro with a with a keyboard. We've got what I think is a 13 inch MacBook Pro. Am I right? 12.9, but who's but who's measuring? <laughs> <laughs> and then what what is that other tablet? Another tablet it, there. With it the is indeed a second MacBook Pro. The one, the one that what what you're <clears throat> to 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 do our radio a theater of the air uh, sort of presentation. So yeah, it's a desktop. You see in the dead center, you see my MacBook Pro that I've got uh, like a, a browser window open. I've got two iPad Pros, one of which I bought. Oh, Two iPad. Pros. Well, I I I felt like I had. <laughs> not. To. Andy's not the one percent. He's he's the zero point five. I just wanted I just wanted to keep other people from having them, so I would feel even more special. <laughs> so I'm guessing the white one is is your day iPad Pro, and the black one is your night iPad Pro. Is that how that works? You can't, well, it's it depends on what kind of movie I'm I'm, I'm watching. Like from watching the Batman movies, that white bezel really throws me. So it's a good idea to have that. Also, uh, I read a lot of comics on the iPad, and this way. Uh, I don't have to. I can basically have like the left pages on the left iPad, the right pages on the right iPad. Oh, actually, what one of the, the 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 white one is Apple's loner. Uh, the black one is the one that I bought. Stayed up until. Well, <laughs> I'm not going to pretend that I had to stay up until 3 a.m. I was awake at 3 a.m. as I <laughs> as I often am. I decided to stay up an extra 11 minutes to order it at like 3:15 in the morning, and uh, it's a, it's a scene, man. I'm using the I'm using the, the the black one, the one on the right, as an actual like external a second monitor for the uh, for the MacBook. So I've got my I've got our Slack. We we use this we use Slack as a back channel so that. Like if I've got to, uh, sometimes I, I eat dinner like at my desk before the show, uh, and if it turns out that they're sick and tired of me not being aware that there's barbecue sauce around my face, and could you please wipe it because I know their listeners aren't seeing it, but it really is grossing <laughs> us out. Not a direct quote, but a, a cleaned up version <laughs> of a quote from an earlier show, uh, uh, and, and got our show notes. Together. It's it's. I, I don't care. I, I know overlapping windows were a really big deal for the development of computer science. 
I've never ever lost the dream of you know Apollo NASA mission control where there's like a million screens and one screen for everything. I want to. I, I get so little daylight as it is. If I'm going to get a tan, it's going to be from having four screens. Oh, and and then there's the screen <laughs> that the, the main Mac Mini screen that has uh, your lovely live pictures on it. So. Well, I tell you, those iPad Pros are big enough to give you a tan, so I think you're doing doing a good job there. You know, uh, one of our listeners ha- is also a listener of one of the other shows on Relay FM, uh, Connected, and they just uh, released an episode talking about the iPad Pro, and they sent out a tweet and they titled it, We all have iPad Pros, but what does it mean? <laughs> and then one of our listeners responded, it means you all love Apple products. When everyone on Material Podcast has one, it'll mean something. <laughs> so, well, Andy has two. So Andy, what does that you, mean? Andy has two. So that's two out of the three, I guess. <laughs> Coll- so collect- collectively, two-thirds of us have iPad products. Yeah. So which one wants to be the designated holdout? Yeah, uh, yes, me. And, and, and if you want to claim that it's a statement of principle, we will support you in that bogus claim. <laughs> It's more of a statement of my wallet. <laughs> I think I think it is interesting. You know, we, we get some listeners sometimes that are like, iPad, that comes from Apple, so that shouldn't be on your show. But this is, like we've talked about before, this is clearly a direction that things are going in. You know, Microsoft has the Surface. Um, Google now has the Pixel C, which has that launched yet? Or has that been announced nope. but not? Announced shipped? but not launched as far as I know. Yeah. And obviously Apple has the iPad Pro. They're all heading into that kind of, you know, can a tablet with some kind of keyboard maybe and maybe a stylus, you know, replace your computer is... Is the computer, you know, the way of the past? In five years' time, is there not going to be laptops? Is there just going to be, you know, giant touchscreens with, you know, peripherals that come with them? So I think it's interesting to see, yeah, where the iPads pros are. I mean, I don't want to spend a whole show talking about it, but right. what what do you think so far, Andy? What what are your thoughts on it? Just really high level. Loving it so far. Uh, as a consumer, uh, my review will probably run at the end of this week. I've actually only started writing it today after uh, having it for about a week. Um, it's a really it's a unique device. I'm sorry that Tim Cook, uh, the CEO of Apple, made that really uh, easily quotable quote about, and I've been just using this all the time as my main computer. Uh, this, this, and if I'm fine, why would anybody want a notebook anymore? Really, why would anybody want one? <laughs> and yeah, I mean, if if I had to, if I had to rely on this as my only note, as my only movable PC, uh, there are a lot of things that I prefer it. Uh, to uh, to my MacBook, but there are a lot of things that would be a pain in the butt. So you really, it, but it really is like the, the difference between using a phone and using a notebook. It really, it's just a different sort of thing. There's, it's a, it's so useful for so many other things. If I if I bought a second notebook, I couldn't use it as a 13 inch supplemental Retina grade screen for my MacBook, for instance, and I couldn't use it as a graphics tablet, and I couldn't like do sketches and doodles on it and all that sort of stuff. So I'm liking a lot so far. It really, it's. It, I think I, I think the main point is that either you have an iPad Pro shaped hole in your life that this can spackle well, <laughs> or a pretty big hole. Yeah, exactly. Actually, you know, the, the back of that glued to the wall with maybe some polyfill over the top there, that could be really good for uh, plastering. I like it. <laughs> oh, God. I, I had a, 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 a years ago, like five, five years ago, shortly after like I moved into this house, uh, some company sent me this one of the cleverest little pieces of plastic as a as a tablet accessory. It was just this simple little. It wasn't. It's not even a stand. It's like a little half bracket that I decided to screw into like the back of uh, one of my kitchen cabinets. Uh, so like when I'm uh, when I'm cooking or doing something that takes a long time, I'll just keep that cabinet open and I'll just stick my regular iPad in there. And it's the most best investment of 
two holes in a nice piece of wood I've ever done. Now, now when I put this twelve point nine inch screen in there, it's like I'm almost I'm almost encouraged to clean and do more baking from scratch. <laughs> and I noticed on, it's a big screen. It is a big screen. I noticed on one of them you have um, Google Docs. So to bring it back around to Google, how's how are you finding the experience of using um, Google products on there? Uh, not great. Uh, it's because. Um, Technically, you know, an iPad app is an iPad app is an iPad app, but some, like like on Animal Farm, some iPad apps are more iPad apps than others. It looks like, I don't know why, but Google hasn't updated any of their Google Docs app apps, not just for the iPad Pro, but for iOS 9. They added a whole bunch, Apple added a whole bunch of features where all the app has to do is be aware of when it's not like in full screen mode, something along those lines. Uh, and uh, the OS will do a lot of things for it automatically, like be able to share the screen with another app and also deal with uh, the bigger and nicer keyboard on the uh, iPad Pro. This does nothing of it. It's, it's, it's actually kind of funny. Uh, because when you uh, it's it's it, it sends it sends up such an obvious flare that something's wrong. Because when you try to edit text on the screen, the on-screen keyboard comes up, and it's the huge, like <laughs> magnified iPad Mini style keyboard. It's like typing on marshmallows. It's so big, <laughs> and you can almost sort of forgive that. But I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go into Sheets right now. So I've got this like the, docked into uh, the Apple keyboard. I think you can see that there. Oh, yeah, okay, so well. now, yeah. yeah. So now let's uh, tap into a cell, and now let's try to type something, and see what happens. It, I, look what happens. It's, <laughs> it it stretches the entire. It makes room for the keyboard, on-screen keyboard, even though it doesn't need the on-screen keyboard. But it does oh, that by terrible. like scrunching the entire thing up until like the top two inches of the screen, leaving a. <laughs> a sad expanse of nothing underneath it so to say nothing of the fact that all it had to do was do nothing and let me type on the mechanical keyboard i've got it plugged into that's that's deeply unfortunate uh, especially uh, given... spoiler alert sheets are pretty terrible on android just in general so i think that might not be an ipad issue my husband was uh trying to work with the sheets document and uh, he's like, how do I like insert text and i'm like oh it's down there don't you see that little bar that you're supposed to fill in and he's like Oh, that completely changes everything. So thank you. <laughs> so I think Google needs some work on that. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like when a you're in a friend's car and you notice that their check engine light has been on like the past three times that you've seen them, <laughs> and you're like, do, do you need a few bucks? Are, are you okay? <laughs> like, Google, do you, I, I got I got fifty bucks. I got, if you need some money to tide you over so you can fix these apps, I thought you were doing great. You know, it looks like you, you, the new logo. <laughs> not many people can afford a new logo in this economy, but. <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're hanging out somewhere in the basement with the, the Hangouts team, ironically. We just need someone to poke all of them and be like, hey, wake up. It's here. Get well, they're using Google Plus as their, their, their work communication, and no one uses Google Plus, so they never got the message. They have like a lot of unread notifications, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it will be interesting to see when this – I'm sure this split screen and um, bigger screen thing will come to Android soon enough. There's already, there's already been rumors about it, and people have um, – you know, dug things up in in various places that you know. There's split screen mode. Android already has multi user accounts as well. That's a thing that that you need yeah. on there as well. When those two things land, I I don't know if that's going to improve you know the the tablet experience on Android, but maybe. Well, it was our, the Samsung tablets already had split screen mode. Apple Apple stole and Apple stole that from Microsoft, so it's okay if Google steals that from <laughs> Apple. I, I don't I don't care where it came from as long as it works great and everybody can now use it. 
Yeah, I mean, a screen that big, it uh, unless you're doing some serious, you know, audio editing or something, I don't, I don't know that you need all that space. So it's nice to be able to put two things on there at once. Speaking, well, actually, speaking, we were talking about like Android and Microsoft and stealing one from another. Uh, there's uh, uh, some some chickens came home to roost <laughs> recently. <laughs> um, Microsoft, who's been trying really really hard to convince developers to make good apps for their phone, uh, their, their their phone version of Windows. Uh, one of the parts of their strategy was to give developers a tool that will let them port Android apps uh, over to Windows 10, so it could run on on Windows Phone. I'm not sure if that was ever a great idea. Idea because I, I don't I've I've used Windows phones I've used uh, Windows ten on on phones that doesn't look particularly like Android it seems like it, would, it feels like it would be a really tough job to begin with or you'd wind up with kind of lame apps uh, but uh, they have uh, confirmed that they have delayed the uh, project Astoria which is the name of the project uh, they talked about it back in April but they've confirmed that it's not dead but they've certainly delayed it and it doesn't look like it's its skin color is not very good and what russell have you, did, were you familiar with this tool it was, was it ever a good idea yeah i'm very familiar with this and I, i'm afraid i'm gonna have to put my um rant hat on for a minute it's that the hat uh-uh. labeled rant because we we have actually done um work for windows phone um and we coded our stuff natively but the the interesting thing about this is you can see how it came about you can see that um, there's some executives in a boardroom and they're sitting around. They're going, okay, uh, Windows Phone is not selling. What are the top five reasons it's not selling? And number one or two up there has to be not enough apps on our platform. And you can see they, they've been desperate all along to try and figure out how to get new apps. So one strategy they tried was paying developers. Um, they were going out and saying, hey, look, we'll give you you know X hundred thousand dollars or whatever if you bring this up to Windows Phone. And that works to get the first version there. But then the problem that they had is a lot of these apps would just be abandoned. So even a big company would port their app there, they'd take their Microsoft money, they'd say, thank you very much, and then the app would be put into maintenance mode because there just wasn't enough you know, people using it for them to justify that. And I think Microsoft looked at that and like, hmm, okay, like maybe that doesn't work. And so then they came up with idea number two. They're like, okay, people are already developing you know, for iOS and Android. What if we give them a way to bring that stuff over really easily? And... This is one of those things that makes a lot of sense in a boardroom. You've got you, you sit down, you think, okay, a developer doesn't want to spend six months, you know, coding an app from scratch. But do they want to spend two weeks if we give them these magical tools that will help them port it over? But yeah, from like a product point of view and from a developer point of view, I don't think this was ever ever like a good idea, and I don't think it was ever going to work. I think it's it's we were talking about you know filling in walls before. It feels like you're trying to fill in the gaps, you know, any way you can. You're like, okay, we have got to get the app number up, and we have got to tell people we got this app and we got that, but Really, if you want your platform to succeed, I think you have to have good apps. And I think maybe the only, and this is sad, but maybe the only way for Microsoft to do that is is kind of what they're trying now, is to build a few flagship phones, you know, do it quietly, launch them to the enthusiasts and try and slowly sort of get developers in. I don't think there's there's any solution that, you know, I'm smart enough to come come up with that's just going to get thousands and thousands of apps, you know, on your on your platform straight away. Because at the end of the day, you know, iOS and Android, they've already won like the android has the market share you know ios has has its niche in there as well there might still be room for windows phone we we don't know i think you know microsoft's definitely pushing that angle but it's yeah it's it's kind of too late i think yeah i wonder what the port would have been like would it just operate the same way as uh, the android app does and look completely out of place in the microsoft phone you know um i don't know how because there's some things that when you can when you select like a library in android 
it uses is it does it compile it within the app so does it need to be running on android in other, in order to operate or how does that even like how would that even work no so that so their idea on the android side of things at least was to try and emulate the entire runtime environment that runs in so essentially you could literally take your app and run it on windows phone as long as it wasn't plugged into some of the you know the parts that they can't get access to then then that was the theory and on the iOS side, they've tried something different. They've said, hey, take your apps, run them through our fancy you know, compiler and developer tools, change a few things, and then try and get them on the platform, which maybe has more chance you know, of succeeding. But I think the other interesting thing here is that Microsoft and Google seem to be, uh, they, haven't, they haven't officially you know, said anything, but they seem to be at a bit of a standoff. You know, there was, Microsoft brought, I believe, YouTube to Windows Phone. And then Google, you know, got them to pull it because it wasn't showing. Their official reason was, hey, you're not showing the ads from YouTube and, and that's not cool. And Microsoft was like, okay, well, you guys make a YouTube app. And Google's like, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get onto that right away. And I think that that's all, there's, there's something weird going on there where Google is not putting their apps on Windows Phone. And, you know, Microsoft's basically trying everything they can, but people are just not, not coming. And Google especially is not there. I don't think there's, there's definitely not YouTube. I don't think any of the docs absolutely either yeah that, that's that's kind of a fatal blow because google's done such a good job standardizing schools and offices and even even individual on the google docs apps because they work well as long as you're not trying to run them on an ipad pro they work great <laughs> uh and it, it almost seems like a hostile act against uh, against microsoft to just deny them now they, they could they can make the credible argument that for god's sakes show me Eight people who are carrying a Windows phone in a non-ironic context. We will give them each five hundred dollars <laughs> to go away and 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 and, and show them the uh, show them the URLs for alternatives to Google Maps, uh, and it would probably cost them a lot less money uh, than developing for target something like I think the last the last number I saw was two point four two point seven percent of uh, mobile users are running uh, running Windows based phones uh, wow. as their as their main carry. Uh, so on the other hand, it's not like Google doesn't have resources, and it's not as though they haven't <laughs> supported uh, they haven't supported niche uh, targets before. Uh, in the in the good old days, the eighties and nineties, they would do a company like Google would support Windows uh, Phone if only to make sure that regulators didn't start saying, "Hey, you're using your power to try to kill a, com- a potential competitor." Anyways, it's it's too bad because the the new hardware they uh, the, the new hardware that uh, Microsoft released uh, the new Lumia phones they released last month, great hardware and I really do like the approach of uh, of Windows on uh, on phones. But you know, without the software, you really can't do it. Yeah. That's that's kind of the same. That's kind of the same problem. I, I don't know if you guys agree, but that's the same problem that I've had with uh, Android on tablets. The hardware is very very nice. I think that the Nexus Seven tablet is nice and slim. Good, affordable, has so many features that I think that Apple should give away for free with the iPad, like GPS. Uh, but I just can't find those muscular, ambitious, creative apps for tablet. There, there are there are a bunch of uh, phone style apps that scale up nicely. Uh, and the Google Docs app, of course, the apps, they work great. But uh, even before getting the iPad Pro on my iPad Mini, I have no shortage of really uh, productive apps that I can. Uh, it's not that I would use this uh, four hundred dollar mini tablet as my main carry, my main notebook. But there are days where I can spend the entire day getting real work done with it, and it's because of this huge software library. And I'm I'm still surprised that Google has not inspired the Android developer community to make a library of apps like that for Android tablets. 
Yeah. Is, wouldn't you say though, uh, that the iPad is still kind of struggling in that regard? Like there's so many apps that get updated for iOS, but I, they still haven't been updated for the iPad. And yes, there's like a larger selection for uh, iPad productivity apps than on Android. But I'm curious if iPad is kind of running into that same issue where a lot of developers aren't seeing the, the return on investment for those apps. And that may change with the iPad Pro, but I'm wondering what... What's the future? Yeah, for that? I think that's interesting because we 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 get a lot of feedback about that um, with apps like Pocket Cast. It's actually really common to have someone who has an Android phone and then the iPad as their tablet, and I think they have the same problem, but to a much smaller extent because the iPad has sold, you know, tens of millions, maybe even hundreds of millions. I haven't been following the numbers of devices, and I think that's just enough to to make developers you know care a little bit about it. But I think the core problem that they have on the iOS side is. A lot of developers don't use iPads. Like you talk to a lot of developers, you know, that I meet and other people meet and they're like, I have no use for this thing. Like I have my laptop, that's where I do all my work. I have, you know, my giant phone, that's where I do all my browsing. And I, there's this in-between device, but I don't really sort of need it. And I think Google has that problem even more so. You know, there's a lack of the great tablets and there's a lack of just numbers out there. Like there are not hundreds of millions of Nexus 7s and, you know, Nexus 9s in the world. And that, I think that puts developers off a bit. You know, look at that and the guy, I could make like a Nexus 10 only app, but how many people have Nexus 10s? And if I make a, a Nexus 7 only app, then that's pretty much, you know, it's just a little bit bigger than a phone. It's natural to hold it in in portrait mode. It's like, eh, like, I, I don't know. And I, I think the, the last thing I'll say is about Microsoft. It's interesting that their new strategy, and this has been their thing for a while, seems to be, uh, let's push the desktop instead. So we've got Windows 10, we've got universal apps. We're going to try and get that installed on 1 billion devices. And I'm sure some Microsoft fans are yelling at us right now. Yeah, it's it's a great <laughs> idea. And and then I think from there, they're going to try and push backwards into into tablets. So their tablets now will run Windows 10 as well. You know, they killed um, Windows RT, which was a, a separate build of Windows just for tablets. So now everything they have, even my Xbox updated the other night and that's got Windows 10. I think that's what they're going to try and push going forward is, hey, build a Windows 10 app for the Xbox for the desktop, whatever, and then we'll try and drag you into the you know the tablet and phone space. Mm. Well, the, the the other thing that now this is this we should, if we got three more developers into the group, then you wouldn't have to field all these questions. <laughs> but the, the the other difficulty is that uh, again, they're a great library of productivity apps, but it's so it seems like it's so hard to train consumers to spend real money on them. Uh, one of my favorite apps uh, on the iPad Pro is uh, this art app called Procreate, and it works great with, uh, obviously, the Apple Pencil, that super pressure-sensitive drawing tool that costs 99 bucks. You can't get anywhere because Apple made, like, eight of them. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it is this supremely professional app. I mean, it's not just a doodling app. It's not just a note-taker. And it costs $5.99. It looks like it costs a lot more than $5.99 per seat to create. Like, does, that, does that sort of stuff prevent the teams from building productivity apps that may or may not make their money back versus games where you can just keep coming back to people uh, every eight times an hour to buy more things? <laughs> I, mean, it's, I would love to see uh, a competitor to Microsoft Office, but... I'm not sure if we can convince people to actually spend more than four dollars on something that that good. Yeah, that is a that that is a good point. And as a fun side um, thing, the Procreate team actually comes from Australia. Like I've I've met them all. I believe Ooh. they're from Tasmania. So we sometimes admit that's part of Australia. We sometimes don't. It's it's down <laughs> south, you know, separated by ocean. But they 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 do all right. But it's a very it's a very interesting thing when 
you know, you used to have these apps that were a hundred dollars, and you'd pay a hundred dollars, and then the upgrade price next year would be fifty dollars, and people are like, woohoo, like this is sustainable. Apple is, I think, having that um, problem. There's a, I don't want to get too technical, but there's a design app called Sketch um, on OS ten. It's very popular with interface designers. And I know in the background, I believe Apple was going to a lot of these companies and saying, hey, you know, iPad Pro, you should be on that. And they wrote a public blog post that says, it's just, we don't think it's going to work. Like, we don't think we can sell our app for the kind of money we do on the Mac. We don't think people will buy it. And we don't think there's enough, you know, interface designers that will have it. And then there's no ongoing model, you know, because they sell outside of the, the Mac app store. They can charge whatever they want. They can have upgrade pricing. They can give people licenses. You're restricted with a lot of that stuff in these app stores. Like the Android's no different. Like it's the same. I think they both have that problem. And they just said, hey, when we're not going to this platform for now, we're going to ignore it. And I think that's a bad thing if you ever want these tablets to take off as professional devices. I think that's really going to hold them back. Yeah, the problem is that a lot of those professional apps, like you mentioned, people are working doing that on their desktop. But I guess the the whole idea is, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could do these things on a device similar to like the iPad Pro on a tablet, so that we didn't have to bring our uh, you know MacBook Pros on the road to do that stuff? So, I I would love to travel light. So come on, <laughs> let's let's make I'm it not happen. I'm sure the iPad Pro is that much lighter. I think once you get to like 13, <laughs> yeah, 14 inch yeah, tablets, exactly. you still have to yeah. around a bit of weight. It's 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 weird because my my uh, I usually travel around with like I, I bought an iPad Mini earlier this year because my uh, iPad three, which is the turned out to be the worst iPad that Apple ever made, uh, <laughs> I is a uh, yeah. I mean it's it's long. It was long on the tooth and need to be replaced anyway. I knew the iPad. Pro hadn't been announced, but I knew it was coming, and I figured that I had a good use for an iPad Mini. And I was surprised to find that I'm actually I was actually using it for a lot of like real real work. And so it's as much as I like this iPad Pro, the ability to just throw a tiny tiny little paperback size tablet that has a good library of apps on it, and a, like a Microsoft mobile keyboard, which is not quite as big as a full size no- notebook keyboard, but it's big enough that I can actually type and do work on it, and just spend the entire day walking around the city and. Base. My 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 carry around bag is a, I'm not joking, a uh, World War II surplus Swedish army gas mask bag. <laughs> Uh, that it looks like a million bucks, looks weird as hell, but it's the perfect size for to hold this and only this. And I got to tell you, like the first time, like I boarded a train to New York uh, for, oh, no. uh, for uh, for like twenty <laughs> hours, just carrying just this tiny, like little, even as even uh, it, it, this entire bag could fit inside my mom's purse. It's 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 so compact. Uh, and the, so the first time that I had the iPad Pro, and it's a, it's super thin and it's light but it's 12.9 inches across and i had to take out my laptop bag and it it's it's like popping open the trunk of your car and putting in like one donut <laughs> saying, it feels like it feels like a, this is too big a container for what i'm carrying it around in so i i, I really think that once this there's a generation of uh, of users whose first introduction to a computer is multi-touch not a mouse and a keyboard and I think when these people not only start taking the bigger uh, IT jobs, but also become managers who do purchasing for other people, they are really going to—they're going to be the people who are going to be saying, "Here is your welcome, welcome to work. Here is your seven-inch tablet. That is your only computer." And chances are, they'll be hiring people who expect to only have to walk around with a seven-inch tablet if, if something that big. 
Yeah, although they got to find these, they got to find solutions to these these problems. I wonder about that as well because uh, I mean I have a sample size of two 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 kids that are um, <laughs> nine and seven, so this is not a scientific <laughs> study. But I have noticed that, that they have the same problem. So they like playing Minecraft, but they like modding Minecraft. And the only place you can um, you know really mod Minecraft is on a PC. So they both saved up for laptops, and you know they have these <laughs> you know cheap cheap HP stream things that are terrible terrible laptops, but they love it. You know, they load their Minecraft on there, they install the mods and they, they play multiplayer. And it's funny to just see that same issue. Like the Minecraft on, you know, the iPad or whatever tablet we have at home is just not as good as the PC version. And I think that's that's repeated for a lot of pro apps as well, you know, kind of ironically. that Like I say, sample size of two, so please don't email me <laughs> if you think I'm wrong. But, you know, they're perfectly comfortable with a keyboard and mouse. And I think a lot of their peers are as well. So I don't know if those things are going away you know, anytime soon. Maybe I'm just getting old though. Who knows? Well, my daughter is uh, a couple years younger than your youngest. And she, every time like we're, our, I'm teaching her something on my MacBook Pro, she like reaches for the screen and wants to touch it. So <laughs> so maybe, you know, maybe the younger generation is going in that direction. You've you got to get her hooked on uh, Minecraft, yes, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's coming up next. <laughs> so, there is one other thing that um, I want to get you hooked on. And I normally, I know at this point some people press skip because they're like, oh, it's an ad. But we have a very special ad for you today. It's it's all about iStat menus and it's from a company called Bajango. And the reason that's actually special is because Mark Edwards, so he's the, the head designer there at Bajango, he actually made our intro music and our outro music that you hear every week on this show. And he made it for free. You know, he didn't ask for an ad spot. He didn't ask for any money he's like hey i made this i really think you want it. and he i didn't even ask him to make it actually he's it just i was in slack one day and mark's like here you go i hear doing a podcast like here's some music for it and i love it like we saw you know the little girl last week bopping out and i thought it was really cool so iStep menus it's an app for os 10 um if you've got another operating system we got something for you later on but this is an app that i install on every single map the uh, mac sorry the second i set it up i'm like i have to have iStep menus and the reason is it's these little widget type things that run in your menu bar and they let you do, you know, really interesting things. Like I have one up here that monitors incoming and outgoing traffic. So it'll tell me exactly, you know, I'm currently 85 kilobytes going up, 142 coming down. It tells me that Skype is the main thing using it, you know, followed by Dropbox. It's really handy. You know, one click and you're like, ah, oh, that's what's killing my internet. If I kill this app, I'll get better performance. You can do exactly the same thing for your CPU. So if you want, you can put one up there. It shows you your CPU, shows you the the top five apps that are using it, which is, again, super handy. If, you, if your laptop gets hot all, all of a sudden, you're like, why is my laptop so hot? One click, you find out. Um, it's got the the things like telling you which apps are using the most battery, um, all sorts of things. You have to check this, this thing out. I'm not going to tell you too much more about it. I think you have to go to the website. And Mark, again, being Mark, has been really generous to our listeners. He's actually willing to give you guys, uh, guys and girls, 15% off. You just go to bajango.com, so that's B-J-A-N-G-O.com slash material, and 14-day trial, 15% off. You can't really go wrong. And the last thing I want to tell you about is we we schedule the show in three different um, time zones. We've got Australia, um, Boston, and, and Phoenix. And trying to manage daylight savings and what time is, it's, it's a real pain. So another thing you've got in iStat is one click, and you can have a calendar-style widget that shows you your calendar and all the different time zones you want to add. So right here, I'm, I'm looking at Arizona. It's 4.44 p.m., 6.44 in Boston. Super handy. And just having that one click away. What, no, tell us what time it is in your time, Russell, because this is going to throw everyone off and everyone needs to learn it's this. It's 10.14 a.m., but in the future. I'm actually one day ahead of everybody, which, yeah, it just blows your mind. If you notice, there's a 30 
minute time difference. It's not just hours. It's 30 minutes. Yes. But these, I mean, I've replaced heaps of the <laughs> Apple widgets with the iStat ones because they're just so awesome. So yeah, you have to check it out. Bajango.com slash material. Go support Mark because yeah, if you love his intro music, you should at least go and download the trial if nothing else. And without iStat menu, we would never know what time we, we were all recording. <laughs> the show wouldn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> the show wouldn't exist. <laughs> so I believe, Yasmin, I've been watching you rant on Twitter about uh, Google Photos. <sighs> what, what can you tell us about that? Yes. All right. So about a month ago, I got an email from Google saying, hey, you're uh, running out of space and we're going to give you like a few more days until you're, you're free. I think I had like a promotional 15 gig credit is running out. And I thought, oh, okay, whatever, like, because I, I had uploaded my photos at full resolution um, for a while. And so I was thinking, oh, well, that was like after they, that was before they announced that they were having the unlimited, un, like uh, high resolution photos available. And I thought, surely after this trial period of my 15 gigs is done, all my photos would just be compressed down to uh, high quality. And I have so much space. And that wasn't the case. <laughs> so I spent, <laughs> so I like spent one week. It, they, I got another email from Google, and it was like, "Hi, nothing. You can no longer sync anything because you have ran out of space." And I'm going, "Oh no! Like, how how is this possible?" And I reached out to Google, and I said, "What is going on? Like, I have my photos, and I turned on high quality uh, compression, and it should be unlimited. Like, why? What's using up so much space?" And they said. Ah, sadly, the the photos that you uploaded before you changed it to high quality count as full quality and, and count toward your storage. And there's no like easy button that you click and, auto and automatically converts all of them to unli unlimited. Oh, so I was, <laughs> it was so bad. <laughs> and uh, while I was on Google chat, the woman that was helping me out, she goes, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you like, I think 50, 50 gigs for 14 days that you can use so that you can export all of your images and then re-upload <laughs> them. <laughs> so while I had like one week when I had just finished like my internship and then I had started the new job and that is what I did on my week off <laughs> is download all of my images and re-upload them. And it was the biggest pain. And I even tried to do the like all photos, like export where you do your migration. It was it was terrible. And like, there was even one, someone suggested like, if you share them to another account, and then you from that account, you share them back into your account, then you can re-import them. And then you don't actually have to download any of the photos. Like I tried everything. <laughs> and I'm sure I lost a lot of my pictures and photos. But at that point, like I was like, forget it. I'm done. Like I just, I don't even care anymore, because it's been such a pain. Well, <laughs> Good thing for all you listeners, if you haven't encountered this problem, is that Google is now announcing a new setting that will convert all of your high, your original quality photos to high quality and reclaim all of your space. Um, and that is going to launch actually tomorrow. So we're recording on Tuesday. On Wednesday, it's going to launch. So by the time you listen to this podcast on Thursday, you'll be able to do that. Um, and it's going to be in your like photos.google.com forward slash settings, and you'll be able to find that setting there. And I, I'm so, I'm so like mad about this thing because it, if I would have just paid, like if I would have just paid for the extra month of storage uh, from Google drive, and then they would have given me the option a month later and I would have lost nothing and <laughs> saved myself some headache. I, 
Yes. I, I'm happy for everyone else out there. I'm just still kind of upset about it. <laughs> yeah, I had a very similar experience. I tried to use the Google takeout thing to get all my photos because I wanted to transfer them into... We, we have this sort of mini hack that we've done. We've set up a family account and we have all our Google photos in there and I wanted to put all my photos in there and all Michelle's photos in there and that was the biggest headache in the world because in Google takeout is a... It's a thing that Google do, you know, it's a nice thing. You can take all your data out of Google, you know, take it wherever you want. But I think they they limit you to two downloads of the file and the downloads just keep timing out. Like I tried this on a really (laughs) high-speed connection. I'm trying to pull down 120, you know, gigabytes of of stuff and timeout, timeout. I'm sorry, you can't download that file anymore. Create another file, wait an hour for the file to be created, download, timeout. And it took me... I think five full days and maybe a few terabytes of data before I, before I finally got that file. So if someone there at Google works on the takeouts team or knows you know, which desk they might be sleeping under at the moment, um, please feed them some pizza or something and, and please get them to, to fix that. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it was, it's, it's not an easy process. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, that's the downside of all these cloud services that we rely on. I, I have to make sure that almost anything that I put on the cloud has to also be backed up locally because if you don't do it as you go, then at some point you're going to find yourself, for whatever reason, I need to back up my Dropbox or drop. let's say Dropbox's terms of service change or they start charging way too much money for the amount of storage you need. And then you just – that's four days of just <laughs> – <laughs> I'm just begging Verizon, please, please, just let me have a little more bandwidth. It's, it's, I have, you have to wait for your neighbor's kids to like go off to summer camp or whatever, so they're not streaming stuff and they're not trying to not trying to uh, uh, to, to be on Twitch servers all day long. Uh, so yeah, I mean it's 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 a hassle. I, I I've been using Google Photos sort of just as a convenient. If all you got to do is do nothing, and your photos that you take. Wind up in Google Photos, and every now and then the Magic Pixie lets you know that hey, look, I did something cool with your pictures, and sometimes they're really cool, and that's how I've been relying on it. But still, I uh, maybe it's because I'm sort of a hobbyist photographer, but I can't, I don't want to ever break this, break the cycle of I've got pictures on this camera, I have to connect a copper wire from one to the other <laughs> and move them onto first my hard drive on the on my MacBook, and then onto external storage, and then backed up someplace else. Yeah, no, I, I use Google Photos now exclusively for all my photos and just because it's convenient. Like no matter which phone yeah. you take a photo of or even on the desktop, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a hassle. You've got to drag, drag and drop stuff in. But even that, it all goes to the one place. It seems reliable, you know, it's never lost any of my photos and it makes those... The other day it made this cool animation of... Um, I don't know why, but I accidentally took a photo in burst mode. And so I took about 20 photos of me in tall grass. And I was completely motionless, but the grass is moving. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. And it did that as an animation. I'm like, yeah, yeah that's nice. Every now and again, it, it gets one. I, I, I use a, a, a incompetent burst mode, which is to say <laughs> that, uh, like, you know, I don't know necessarily which frame is going to be right. So I'll just hold down the button and just pick the one that's going to be right and you're right it's just these wonderful little movie surface i I was thinking about this when i was writing my review of the iphone 6s plus because it's got that it's got that new uh feature where it'll not only does it take a full 12 megapixel resolution photo of your child but also (laughs) it captures a small 12 second video of the of your child and it looks great in the in the demo it just it does that in the background automatically so if you force touch if if you deep touch on the picture in the thing you will see the the static photo will turn into like their your kid running away and giggling and hey lovely 
but the and it's it's cool in the demo but it doesn't work great on the phone for one it slows down processing so it won't especially in low light it won't be able to capture uh, capture stuff as fast also most other pictures i take aren't of super energetic puppies or children <laughs> running around it's of my friends like you know posing say let's get a picture together and i don't want to necessarily see like you know just three seconds before that eight <laughs> seconds after it of us just like smiling and then like the, the, the most most of this is footage of the phone being lowered what what what, what i'm getting at is that so apple made a big deal of all the stuff they had to do to make make this really cool landmark feature whereas all google has to do is notice that oh it seems as though you've taken a bunch of photos in sweet sequence we're going to stitch them together into a movie for you uh, that later on you can pick up and if you decide you like it it will not change anything you don't need a new phone it doesn't change anything about how you do it uh, so it's a really, really nifty thing that uh, Google Photos does. It it really is like unwrapping a present. So that's why, if if for no other reason, I, I don't I don't want all my photos to be uploaded to Flickr automatically, even though it keeps asking me, uh, or not neither uh, to Dropbox. But I will do that with uh, with Google because it yeah. gives me presents. And we we should also say that the, for those of you that aren't familiar or don't currently use it, the high re- I think it's called high resolution. Is that what they use? That that mode's actually it's pretty yeah. decent. You get. 16 megapixel um, photos and you get unlimited storage, which I think is enough for most people. You know, 16 megapixels is is a lot of megapixels. I know me personally, I, I press the original button just because I'm worried that, you know, one day I might need this original photo for <laughs> some reason. I don't know what that reason is. There's no rational um, thinking behind it. But, yeah, if you want free photo storage, it's it's a good way to go. On principle, you should want to have the best, the, the best data set possible. But... 16 megapixels even even when they even when they recompress it to get some more savings out of that it's hard to see a difference they're, they're still i've downloaded them and i've printed them and they still look fine you really have to put them side by side with the original to really peep the difference uh, and really the quality of a 16 megapixel recompressed photo that you have access to forever is going to be much better than the 20 megapixel raw file that you know is on an SD card or a hard drive somewhere <laughs> in the house. That's really all. That's really the whole story. Well, you have them forever. Mine, I may or may not have them because I didn't have this option. <laughs> ah, not bitter at all. I just all. thought of something, Yasmin. So I had a, <laughs> I had a friend. This is a, a pro tip that accidentally deleted all the photos through Google Drive. He was trying to port from one account to another and he thought he'd grab them all. So he's like, I'm going to just delete these ones. And he emptied his trash and they're all gone. And he actually emailed Google and apparently for a very short period of time, they actually have them and they can restore them for you. So if you contact their support people, they can actually give you um, all your stuff back. So that, that's don't all flood the, uh, the uh, Owen Wilson someone, and uh, <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. support lines all at once, but try that out. If there's someone at Google that hears me and feels my pain, <laughs> please reach out and tell me my pictures can be no, restored. You, you, Think of my children. One child. I only have one you child. You can. Honestly, if you just there's a there's a support email somewhere you can send it to. I'll, I'll find it for you. I please, thank you. Oh man. That <laughs> I will be so happy. A lot, a lot of these companies they're in these these really weird problems where they can't let on what they're capable of doing with your data because it would creep people out <laughs> because Okay, well, yes, I know that technically you did delete your entire photo <laughs> library, but we do still have a full copy of it, and we could restore if if 
truly oh god so it's 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 like your like your your friend's house burned down it's like oh but i just wish that we'd backed up we i can't even find the laptop that we had that had all of our financial records and say yeah that was the laptop that i stole to sell for drugs yesterday but i haven't sold it for drugs yet do i tell him i stole his laptop and hope he'll be too happy that he has all of his data back these are very specific get, examples we'll, andy i'm starting to get a bit worried andy <laughs> I, I, I lead a very, very active fake life. <laughs> Look what I found in the bush. It survived the fire. <laughs> yeah, you're just buy like a propane torch on Home Depot. Just how much do I singe this to make it look like it miraculously? <laughs> it, it Indiana Jones its way out there. The, the, the fridge fell on top of it during the, when, the, when the structure collapsed and protected it. <laughs> Please don't, please don't check my eBay selling history because that's, that would lead to bad, bad things. Let's focus on the good. So speaking of things that might be a little bit creepy, how do you feel about um, drones replacing your delivery people? So, you know, the, the nice DHL and FedEx and all those other companies, UPS, people that turn up to your house, or what if they were actually like just drones and they drop stuff on your house? I my, my feeling on this hasn't changed. I think that... Any solution, whether it's uh, uh, whether it's uh, Google's Wing drone delivery or uh, or, uh, or Amazon uh, Air Express, so long as whatever the drone is, whatever features it has, so long as it includes like a cartoon four fingered white glove on like a on one of those extension arms that reaches out and brings the doorbell, <laughs> and then slaps back <laughs> like in the cartoons, I will I will sign off on any of that. Yeah, I think it would be cool to know if you could track exactly where your package was because the, the most like frustrating thing about getting a package delivery is when the truck says, it's en route, it's getting delivered today. And you're like, when? When is it getting delivered? Like, can I go run to the store really quick and then not miss my delivery? Or if I run to the post office right now, I'm going to miss my delivery. And then uh, Russell is going to win the 6P race. You know, I'm not <laughs> speaking from experience. I'm just hypothetically <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah, uh, thanks FedEx. Good one. <laughs> But if you, but if you, if there was a drone and you could track where it was and it could give you like a better estimated time of arrival, that would be awesome. But, but you know, one of the, one of the things that is uh, kind of bad about that is that there, in some states, you are allowed to have guns. And I can just imagine the drone flying over someone's house and someone getting a shotgun to shoot it down to get the package. I don't know. That's maybe a far-fetched thing. <laughs> maybe not in Arizona. Who knows? I've never been there, but uh, I've heard things. So, I mean, in, in all seriousness, like how, how do we feel about this? There's a, there's a project going on at Google where they've said they're trying to ramp up for 2017. You know, they've hired a lot of people. They've got prototype um, drones and they seem pretty serious. I mean, when I first heard the Amazon drone delivery thing, honest to goodness, I thought that was some kind of internal joke that you know these quadcopter things were going to be delivering my packages. I'm like, really? But the more you do, you kind of read about it, the more it be like, yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, Andy, do you? Do, I mean, do you have any thoughts on these projects? It's yeah. It, it really is tied into sort of the the driverless car projects where. When we first hear about this stuff, we're thinking about, oh, well, great. Do I, do I want my car to drive itself automatically? But that's such a linear way of thinking about how that would work. The next step after that is thinking uh, about how about if you don't even have to own a car, 
it's sort of like a driverless version of Uber where the car shows up when it needs to be show, shows up. And then once it drops you off, it's right back into the pool, sort of like a more a really more useful version of public transportation where you never the, the bus line stops right at your house and you never have to wait for a bus. And drones could be pretty much the same thing where it's a lot of the same technology where you have these things that have to be able to work autonomously and solve their own problems and getting from A to B. And when you start thinking about it's possible to put an aircraft in the air that can get from A to B safely carrying a piece of cargo, you start to wonder about things like uh, like uh, medication delivery, not even in emergency stuff. It's where you uh, a, cer- a, cer- a certain payload has to you have to you have to have your pills by a certain date, uh, and I don't know how it's going to deliver to somebody in an apartment house. Maybe it would be something as something more simple that goes to uh, uh, Amazon warehouses. Let's say wouldn't deliver to your house, but it would deliver to your post office. And because the post office needs money, Amazon would say, "Here's the amount of money we'll we'll pay you for each like same day delivery that we will do. You don't have to, you do you have to do nothing, but occasionally when the red light goes on, when you give it a notification, someone goes up to the roof and opens up this this open top crate where the drone has landed and deposited something, and then you send some guy out in the truck to or the guy or woman out in the out in the truck to to deliver it." Um, it's, it's 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 there's a lot of interesting problems. I wasn't. I mean, I'm like you. It's like okay. Well, I don't really need a quadcopter to buzz in front of my house to deliver a USB cable. Uh, but it's it's an interesting set of problems. Uh, the it's kind of in the news now because uh, Dave Voss is the head of uh, Google Wing, and uh, he was at. I was I had to double check to make sure this was a real thing. Uh, so, speaking at the Drone World Expo in San Jose. Uh, <laughs> Everyone's wondering. Uh, they, they, they earlier said this year that we're aiming for making deliveries possible by 2017. And is this what they're really planning, or is they're trying to, like Google Glass, are they developing a technology to see where they might want to apply it by the time they've got this thing mature? But yeah, you've repeated that. No, we really are looking for delivery, and it's interesting. I really do recommend that you do a Google search on uh, Dave Vos uh, V O S because you 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 get a nice little breadcrumb trail of where Google has gone. The thing that really caught my eye is that just a couple of weeks ago, uh, he and uh, a guy named Earl Lawrence, who is uh, uh, director of the uh, – on a, God, I need, to, I need to unwind that. I thought I, th- I thought I knew what it meant, <laughs> UAS Integration Office, uh, un- unpiloted aircraft service. I don't know. Uh, so the, he and Dave Voss are now uh, co-chairing an industry committee to try to solve the problem of not just – uh, not just uh, pilotless drones that are autonomous, but also hobby drones. And part of their idea is to create sort of a private, uh, a standard so that you can have private air traffic control systems. So the idea would be that not only are people now going to be registering their their hobby uh, quadrocopters, but when this quadrocopter takes off, before it takes off, it communicates with a local air traffic and automated air traffic control that says, hi, I'm hobby drone XK, whenever, here's my serial number. I My flight plan is that I intend to operate within this box of air. And then if the uh, air traffic controller checks and say, okay, there's no, uh, there's no problem there. There's no one operating there. You're clear to operate within that box. It goes ahead. And for commercial flights, uh, for commercial deliveries, it would say, I, I'm going to be uh, leaving from this depot and I'm going to be going to this local post office four miles away. I would like this corridor. Uh, I will not be going above this altitude. It will clear that corridor or say, no, there's too much traffic. You can't take off. And then even better, uh, how many times did we have you wanted to throw up at uh, uh, news items about these wild like wildfire flyers in California 
fires in California where uh, actual fi- <laughs> you know fire suppressant helicopters had to go back to the ground because idiots with uh, octocopters shooting their, their 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 news video or their hobby video were contaminating the airspace making it unsafe they that private air traffic control system automated on an automated system could say either divert them to a place where they could stay in the air but they would be out of out of the way or simply say you are now grounded you are you are receiving your return to base command that cannot be overridden so there's a, there's a lot of components there it would be really really interesting to have a way uh, to uh, make it affordable so that everything that is in the air can be tracked and controlled and even coordinated really, really well. Uh, and then think about what the next step after that could be once that system is in place. Uh, when uh, the GPS standard was uh, was uh, proposed, the military implications were talked about a lot. The implications for trucking, long-distance uh, uh, trucking were talked about, but never about, well, how about if in the future we have a device uh, that can know where you are standing right now and tell you where the closest emergency room is or help you find a restaurant within some parameters. Those are the things you can't figure out until you've got the system in place and you've got people who are only responsible for coming up with awesome ideas and are not responsible for developing the infrastructure. Let them loose on it. So like I said, even if even if I don't, uh, it's not going to help me get a USB cable in two hours delivery. If it means that, uh, if if it means that awesome things that I can't even imagine will be enabled two or three years from now, that's great. Just you know, just don't put guns on them. Just please don't. <laughs> that's all we ask. And I think it's interesting that at Google, there's a, there's a lot of projects like this where they have someone who's really well known in a particular field, be they an academic or someone from a previous company. Um, they'll bring them in. And then they'll let those people form a team around them. And I think it's really interesting to see where some of these things go. Like you've got drones, you've got driverless cars. Um, you know, there was another story just uh, this week about, you know, the future of Google Glass sorry, and how it might go audio only. You've got all these interesting things. You've got that phone that, that's meant to snap together, Project or Aura, something like that. Aura, A-U-R-A. Yeah. No, no, I think the phone is Aura. Uh, oh, sorry, I, I misheard you. Yeah, uh, the the phone. They they really need to coordinate. The phone is A R A. the the new ver, the new team for Google Glass is now A U R A. I don't know what the e, the U stands for. It makes for stands for undecipherable. Yeah, I, I just think it's really interesting that, that all these projects are going on, and they they all. I don't think they have uncertain futures. They're all aiming for something, but they're they're all these different things. You know, no two of these are alike, and it could be in five years' time that. They look at some of these and they go, okay, if we take that one, we take that one, we that one, we put them together. Now we have a product, you know, that we can market people, which is, yeah, I think interesting. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my first thought, of course, was always the drone deliveries of getting that USB uh, cord that you absolutely need right away. Um, but I, I did overlook the fact of like all the implications of what it can mean for safety and, uh, med- you know, medical reasons. And I think you brought up some really good points, Andy, of like what it can do. And what, what is the possibility of it? Like, what about if we, cre- yeah, we had more um, com- commercial drones that did provide assistance for wildflower or w- wildflowers, <laughs> not flowers. <laughs> they sprinkle wildflowers everywhere. No, wildfires fi- and really um, help firefighters, you know, fight those fires here. Um, and so it's, uh, it, it's things that you don't. You don't think about, and that's kind of the the wonderful part about the, some of the people that are at Google is that they're the ones that are thinking about these like, what if, what if we could do this, what if, and then they're making it happen. I think even with like Project Loom, which uh, was a way for uh, through a balloon getting internet access to a lot of countries that didn't have internet access. So um, 
Yeah, these these are all uh, exciting projects and all, always the wonderful things of what Google is cooking up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's 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 one of the great things about what the differences between Apple and and Google. Apple really has to figure out that there's a market for something and there's a plan for who they're going to sell it to. Google will often do stuff like this, which uh, I, it's not as though there's there is there aren't commercial applications to this. We can all speculate as to. Uh, how much it would benefit Google to have a large, long, loud voice in the development of how we coordinate drones and how we track flying objects and catalog <laughs> them throughout the sky, uh, even if they don't own the entire system. Uh, but it, I, I, the thing, the things I admire the most about Google is this is a good idea. We don't know. We we won't be able to see what we can do with it until we have this thing in front of us. So let's get to work building this thing. There's certainly a lot of great ideas. I mean, just listening to like you guys, what I would lo- what I would love to be able to do. Like this is this happens to me so often. If if I if I had a house drone with a couple miles range, I don't know if there's like parking at the commuter rail parking lot. I would just simply like say, "Hey Google, <laughs> send Rover out to, to to give me video of the of the express parking lot. Are there parking spaces available?" Or uh, is it a ma- is it a madhouse at uh, at the Panera Bread or do you, or might will I be able to get a table uh, or uh, just is it is it actually raining at the beach three or four miles away is it worth my leaving the house and I could just use my phone and just say eh, nah I think I'll just stay home and binge watch Netflix right now and if someone were to develop that app. I have a perfect solution for them, a tool that they could use to find out how it would work on their phone. What? That sounds pretty cool, Yasmin. And it is a tool called Scala Preview from the fine people at Bajango. And this one is absolutely free. So you don't need to put down any money. There's no trial. There's no net purchase. There's no anything. If you're a designer and you haven't heard about Scala Preview, you need to uh, Google that right now or go to bajango.com slash Mac slash Scala Preview. It's basically, it's a tool that if you're designing in Photoshop or Sketch or wherever and you're wondering, what does this design look like on an iPad Pro? What does it look like on an iPhone? What does it look like on my Nexus 5? You know, what does it look up uh, look like anywhere else? The Scala Preview lets you do that. So it plugs into, you know, tools like Photoshop and Sketch. Um, it also plugs into your clipboard and it can get that pixel-perfect image from your design instantly to to the phone or tablet that you want to see it on and you do not know how handy this is until you've actually tried it because if you know phones i know they're getting bigger but the touch targets on phones are still relatively small and the resolutions are different and sometimes when you're designing things on the screen you're like yeah yeah that looks perfect and then you send it to the phone you're like oh no actually like no human being would ever be able to read that text it is it is much much too small so that's what scala preview does um and a fun fact, if you dig into the About box, I think you find my name in there. There's about two lines of code from uh, yours truly in there as well. I'm, I'm sorry if those crashed for you. <laughs> it, it wasn't me. And the other cool thing about Scala Preview is it's, it's called Scala Preview because Bajango is actually working on a much bigger you know, design app to actually do all the interface design as well. And this is, this is like um, their gift to you. They're like, here you go. It's absolutely free. You can install this. You can get the, um, the previews on your phone. There's no ads. There's no anything like that. But just remember that one day, you know, there's going to be this thing called Scala and it's going to be amazing and it's going to solve all your interface design needs. So make sure you check that out. Bajango.com or just Google Scala Preview. 
Yeah, so when I first heard that they had the Scala uh, preview app on Android, I was so excited because usually as a designer, you hear about all these awesome tools. They're like, preview sketch on, you know, on your mirror on iOS, your iOS phone. And I'm like, what about the Android users? So this, this is awesome. And this is, uh, I'm so happy for them to bring it on to Android. Yeah, so definitely check it out. So in preparation for our American listeners, uh, Google released this uh, new infographic about getting ahead of Thanksgiving of Thanksgiving this year uh, with Google Maps. And so the wonderful thing about Google is that they have so much, or maybe the terrible thing, the scary, creepy part, is that they have so much information on you and they can kind of pinpoint everything about what we as uh, collective humans do. And so they release this infographic that tells you kind of the the schedule for what people do on Thanksgiving like um on November they say on Tuesday the Tuesday before Thanksgiving it's the best day to hit the road if you're going to be traveling um around and out of state to visit out of town family that is going to be the day that you're going to get the unless unless you're in Boston apparently sorry Andy is what is what it says on here <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I, I guess uh Bostonians like to travel on Tuesday, so that's something different. It's, it's Taco Tuesday. Also, they, they don't want their tacos. <laughs> Nobody's expecting anything from us on Wednesday. The, boss, the, the, the bosses are tired of pretending that we're going to be doing anything. So, <laughs> And uh, Wednesday is... Hold on. Did I read that wrong? Because, no, that's right. Uh, no, Tuesday is still the second worst is travel it? day of the week. Yeah. I, I said that it was the best day Wait, Tuesday's a no, slightly it's a, better day. In Boston, oh, in Boston okay. it's, a heavy, it's a really, really heavy traffic day. That's wow. when everybody's trying to okay. get out. It's interesting, the level of granularity. They, they also broke it down for uh, when when is traffic heaviest on Thanksgiving Day, which should mean when are people driving to or from their dinners. And in Boston, I realized that, okay, I, I've never thought it was that bad, but uh, it's uh, between 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. is the worst <laughs> Uh, traffic uh, in the Boston area on Thanksgiving Day. Um, I don't know what that. Uh, it, I hope that gives me an excuse to just say, "What if I don't have Thanksgiving with my family or friends? What if I again Netflix? It's so cozy. It's so convenient." <laughs> and they're gonna say, "Don't you have that Google and Android podcast?" And Google told you exactly like when would be the best time for you to leave and get here at a reasonable hour. <laughs> I've got Skype. I could teach them how to set up Skype. <laughs> <laughs> They, they can they, they can they can like PayPal me or Google Wallet me like the cash equivalent of the food and the alcohol they were going to give me. No, no, two, it all works out even. Two words, Angie: telepresence drone delivered by drone. So you get a drone to deliver your telepresence drone to your family, and then it's it's just like you're there. You know, it's Andy on a stick. Well, they're used to having a nerdy drone at their Thanksgiving day anyway. At least this one won't be exuding so many noxious gases because it's electric. And I think they're also adding um, an explore, like a Black Friday feature into their explore feature on Google Maps. Is that? Am I reading that correctly? Uh, yeah, it's, so I, it's a, it's a lot, it's a lot of jaunty, a lot of jaunty infographics here. So there's there's <laughs> there's they're saying that so it's it's based on they they got a lot they've sifted a lot of data based on Google Maps data and also searches. So they're saying that uh, on Wednesday for the third year in a row. <laughs> Ham shop, pie shop, and liquor store are the top three Thanksgiving Eve searches. Why only on the day before Thanksgiving? Ham, pie, and liquor. 
That just seems like a A plus B plus C equals happiness. <laughs> that is like my routine before I record this podcast. I'm like, gotta get some ham, gotta get some pie, got me get, gotta get me a bottle of liquor. I, I gotta say, as the only non-American on this podcast, I have no idea what's going on here. I, I roughly know what Thanksgiving <laughs> is. I roughly know that people meet families and they eat a lot of food, but this is just a foreign concept. Like there's Black Friday, there's... Buffet yeah. Thursday? Is that how this Cyber Monday? See, that was, it's interesting to look at the raw data and wonder if there's a window into sadness here. Because if you're looking, if you if it's Thanksgiving Day and you're looking for a buffet restaurant, that either means, Aww. A, you tried to host the family Thanksgiving for the first time and you forgot to take the giblets out of the turkey before roasting it, or you thought that, well, three hours for, for a 40-pound turkey, that's plenty. And in desperation, you're trying to save the holiday by finding some place you can take the family. Or you thought, you know, it's if no one, I know that I'm single for the first year ever since my marriage collapsed. And, but, you know, and I know that none of my friends or family invited me. I think it'll be great to just to spend Thanksgiving alone. And then by 1130, I need to have turkey with people before <laughs> I become the most sad person ever. Google, find me a buffet restaurant where I can eat alone. <laughs> Wow, this is an interesting uh, maybe it's insight. Just my perspective. The... Maybe I maybe I should have a rosier perspective. Maybe I should have some. Maybe I'm hypoglycemic. Andy, I feel like I need to you to go take you out for some hand pie and liquor after this. I'm saying I'm free for Thanksgiving. All right, look, Andy, Damn, you, you, you are more than welcome at my house for Thanksgiving. I have no idea what's meant to happen on that day, but <laughs> turkey. I, I guess we can do turkey and something else, pie and booze. It's a it's it's a day, Russell, where the entire nation uh, gets together, takes a step back, and is uh you know sh- is thankful for what they have, and they celebrate being thankful over usually over some turkey, some pumpkin pie, cranberry sauce, and stuffing. I, I can and get behind that pumpkin beer. It's 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 a, it's especially cool for all for all for international listeners. The the secret to this holiday and why it is liked, even if you even if, even if there's a family component, is that there's no religion involved. There's no. It's just let's make a big meal and a big table and everyone to get get together. Everything's closed anyway, so let's just get together and have food and it, the only thing that ruined it was black friday because now there are too many <laughs> uh, also lots of football games so it's not now that there are too many there are stores that try to open like a 2 p.m on thanksgiving and jerks who uh, like want to actually yeah. leave for that <laughs> so actually so just like a quick uh explanation of all the, what these holidays so thursday is the day, like they had all the days off so then and every all the businesses were closed so then on friday people would go shopping in preparation for the holidays that would come up in december and so they created uh you know black friday to kind of get everyone shopping but a lot of stores have started opening on on thanksgiving which is just seems terrible to I, me because I see we've hit some kind of U.S. nerve here. Time. I can sense it. This no, is no, my insight of the American psyche. I just, Something I, is going I just, on. I'm, try, I'm, I'm trying to help you here. See, <laughs> I'm trying to make you feel good about all the venomous insects and snakes you got. Oh, by mind. the way, the phone was ringing off the hook, Andy, from the Australian Tourism Commission after your ad read. If there's anyone who doesn't listen past the the end intro, Vasha, you really should. Last week, um, Andy gave the Australian Tourism Board an amazing. Read and we're currently in talks about uh, you know making an international campaign around <laughs> what was it, Andy? Uh, come visit Australia. We have anti venoms for almost everything now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think you should just read that every day. <laughs> there you go. But uh, if you ever want to put yourself in the worst situation ever, is work at an electronic store on Black Friday. It is the most terrible and painful experience I have ever had, yeah. and I've 
been in labor. So <laughs> I, I was uh, my, my college years, I was working at a store that shall not be named, uh, but a very famous electronic store. And I had to be there, I think it was like before the sun was up, it was like four o'clock in the morning. And I wasn't able to leave until like at least like 11 o'clock at night or something <laughs> terrible. And and they don't don't make you, they don't let you wear comfy shoes, and so your feet hurt. And then it was sorry, I'm I'm uh, getting bad yeah. bad memories <laughs> again. See, it's it's, it's weird. And See, people it's... run through the door. Sorry. Oh no, I'm sorry. I interrupted the the end of your story. <laughs> but the, the the thing the thing that gets me is that it's not as though like Black Friday was engineered. It's just that everybody happens to be home. <laughs> they got the Friday off, and so that's a time where a lot of people decide to get a jump on their holiday shopping, and. I don't if if I were in an industry where lots of people were going to be giving me money anyway, I would just be grateful that I could predict that the, the, the retailers start calling it Black Friday internally because it's just the worst day for them because everyone's coming <laughs> in shopping the same day. And so all they had to do was just count the money, make sure the things are, are available, make sure things are tidy. But now they're trying to they, they started marketing it as an actual event with these incredibly stupid sales where we've got three you know, Sorny TV sets for eighteen dollars, <laughs> and let's have a let's have a nunchuck battle in the parking lot over who gets one of these terrible, terrible TVs that has the refresh rate of an Etch a Sketch. Uh, and it's it's I just I just remember like uh, when I was in my twenties before this really became a real thing. Uh, Boston traffic is horrible, and Google has provided us with the numbers to back that up. And I every time that I was polite and did not blow my top at someone on I-95 or one twenty eight who cut me off or you know or made a left hand turn for the right hand lane. Instead of getting angry, I decided that I'm gonna put that frustration in a in a in a mason jar. And then the day after Thanksgiving, I'm going to drive to the mall at seven in the morning, three hours before they open, where no one's there. Now it's Black Friday, they're always there. I'm gonna get the best spot there and I'm just going to take out my frustrations on random people by spending four or five hours walking into the mall, like maybe buying like a card from or a Christmas ornament for my aunt, having them put it in a big bag, walking out like at 1 p.m. where there's no parking spaces and everyone's looking for something, <laughs> just taking the long way around until there are like four cars tailing me looking for my spot, and then simply open the trunk, put the bag in, close the trunk, wave, and go no. back into the mall for another no. go. It was it, it was it was just it, it made me feel better. They're, 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 those people are upset anyway, no matter what I do, whether I'm there or not. Now I wouldn't do that because I would get killed. I would simply get killed. That's what would happen. A death would happen, and would be my wow. death. I, I got to tell you, the whole tell people in the shopping center car park almost ended my marriage, Andy. I, I'm, I'm glad that's a universal thing that people do in America as well. If if it happens in Europe, I'd love to hear from some of our listeners because I. I just I don't know I can't bring myself to tell someone around the car park, but it is it is sometimes the only way to get a spot, and yeah, it, it terrifies me. It just does because yeah, I've seen people do that where they they'll reverse out and then they're like, no no, I'm just straightening my car. And you're like, no. Yeah, yeah I, I've I've always driven like old cars, and there have been times where I thought, you know what, the, the I I need kind of I've been sort of planning to get a, another car this year anyway. What if I were just to abandon it like right here in the grass, <laughs> take off the plates, take like take take my toolkit from the trunk and take the one good CD I've got in the player, just whoever wants it can leave the keys in it. It's that if there's if there if there's uh, 
among on that list of great things that'll happen with driverless cars, it's just the idea of I never have to park a car ever again. Even if I even if I own the car, if I can just simply set the car to okay, I can't find a place to park, just keep driving for for two <laughs> hours and two pick hours. me up at this time. Yeah. Okay, you've just sold me. That that needs to be the driverless car. I'd, <laughs> I'd buy one on West immediately. And the driverless car will have all that wonderful data from Google, so it will know which roads not to take and what time to drive. I'm ready for it. Bring bring it to me, Google. Give me the driverless car so I can uh, take a nap as I'm driving back from my wonderful uh, Thanksgiving festivities after I've eaten so much turkey and mashed potatoes. We want to thank everyone for listening, and we hope that you... Um, our American listeners have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Well, I, I guess we'll talk to you next week on Thanksgiving. Uh, but as you're preparing for that, we will send you some links so you can find out what is the best time to drive and when is the best time to stay indoors. And Andy, where can people find you? Uh, the, always the best place to find me is on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Anatko. I've also been, but I've been blogging a lot more lately. So you can also check out my blog at Anatko.com. The, the price of admission for both of those is that you have to figure out how to spell my last name. I-H-N as in Nancy, A-T as in Tom, K-O, he said, as though he's been saying that to people over the phone for his entire adult life. <laughs> and Russell, where can people find you? Uh, I've made it really easy for them to find me. I took two really common words in the English language, the word rusty and the word shelf, and I jammed them together. And you can find me uh, under that pseudonym on Twitter. Unfortunately, lately it's just me making stupid jokes about people walking around with uh, their flashlights on while talking on their phones. So I apologize for that. It's not in advance. What's the opposite of in advance? I historically apologize for that. Late. Late. Uh, <laughs> yes, this is my late apology to anyone who follows me on Twitter. After, after the horses have left the barn. <laughs> that ship has sailed is what one of our listeners told me is the more US version uh, of it. Ah, yes. Yeah. yeah, see, I understand that reference. I don't understand the other ones. And uh, I haven't made it easy for you. Um, my Twitter name is at Yasmin Evian, and I'm not even going to try spelling it out for you. Just look it up in the show notes. And you can find us at, at Material Podcast on Twitter. You can uh, email us feedback at materialpodcast at gmail.com. And you can find us on the web at relay.fm forward slash material. And again, listeners, we always enjoy hearing back from you. Let us know uh, what you think. Until next time, stay in material. My God, we're such slick professionals. Good heavens! <laughs> Don't worry, you'll be jammed right next to each other. I didn't realize the, that I was meant to do the, the second. Let them know we're going to need a, we're we're going to need an extra thirty five dollars a piece because that was goddamn. Good. <laughs>